Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. We know that it's also uh, cold season, flu season. and pray that you would be with those uh, who are not able to be with us this morning, uh, that you would uh, heal their bodies uh, so that they can rejoin with us again uh, in full worship of you. We thank you for your word. Uh, it was mentioned that the hymns that were written so long ago were so not canonically inspired, but inspired by you to still be relevant today. We thank you for your word, that your word is always timeless, always true, always relevant, always the final authority in our lives. It doesn't matter what time or age or culture we live in, your word will always remain. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. If I asked, what is the source of, what is the first source of light that comes to your mind? Probably the most common source of light would be a light bulb, right? We might also think of a candle or similarly building a fire. Here are some lesser known sources of light that I discovered this week. For instance, quasars are more on the universal uh, size and scope and formed in a supermassive black hole. As the center of an entire galaxy collapses in on itself with a mass that can get up to billions of solar objects, the amount of gas getting sucked into the black hole and the friction that goes along with it produces a heat and light that is thousands of times greater than that of the entire Milky Way galaxy. That's bright. They say, don't look at the sun or you'll go blind. I can't even begin to imagine what would happen if you were anywhere near close to a quasar. This picture was taken from very, very far away. Chemiluminescence is a scientific term that refers to any light source that is formed by a chemical reaction. It's a big name to refer to the study of many different areas of chemical reactions producing light, some of which I couldn't even begin to understand, but there were a couple that I did. Applications in forensic investigation, like using a blue light to detect the presence of blood, and one that has an incredibly scientific and thus Latin-sounding name, glow sticks. The one that I have never in my life imagined was that of sonoluminescence, where bubbles in a liquid interact with a sound, and when they implode, produce a spark of light. Now, before any of you get the idea that you can just set, sit in a bubble bath in the dark and blast death metal and get any kind of result other than the police knocking on your door, as fun as that sounds, you have to know that it only works in a controlled environment with specific liquids, specific sound wavelengths, and specific sized bubbles. Sorry to <clears throat> burst your bubble. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> As we jump back into the Gospel of John this morning, we're going to be discussing Jesus' statement about himself that he is the light of the world and the light of life. What was he referring to 
And what does that mean for us today? If you brought your Bible with you, please turn to John chapter 8. I know it sounds like an age ago that we were in uh, the Gospel of John. We're jumping back into it today. John chapter 8, we're going to be in one verse today, uh, and that's what we'll read together. If you brought your Bible with you, please turn there. If you didn't, that's okay. There should be one located in the pew in front of you. Please also turn to John 8.12 or look this up on your favorite Bible app on your smartphone. But John chapter 8, verse 12, we read, this. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Before we go any further, if you can remember from a few weeks ago, I explained why we can trust that what we have as our Bible is accurate and is the Word of God, why John 8, 1 through 11 on the woman caught in adultery was not written by the Apostle John and should not be considered part of the canonical and God-breathed scriptures and what we should do with it as such. I showed that it was an echo of what else is clearly taught in scripture. If you weren't here for that message on that passage and you're very confused right now, uh, I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to that on our website. For now, all I'm doing is making a brief reference to that and then jumping into this morning's passage. Really, now, to understand what I'm saying here, look at, look at your Bible with me here. John 7.53 should also be included with John 8, 1 through 11, and that it shouldn't be seen as canonical or God-breathed scripture, and here's why. Like I talked about a few weeks ago, in consideration of all of the other factors I also referenced at that point, this morning's passage should be read as a continuation of John 7.52. You just cut out John uh, 7.53 and John 8, 1 through 11. You just cut that out, and where we're, uh, John 8, 12 should be seen as a continuation of where we left off in John 7.52. In other words, and this is why I said I want you to look at your Bibles to see what I'm talking about here. If we cut out everything from John 7.53 through 8.11, which was most likely not written by John and should not be considered canonical scripture, we don't have everyone going home, and we're actually still at the temple with Jesus. And here's the important part I'm getting at, still on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So where we are in John 8, 12 is still in the temple with Jesus and still on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles. So again, when we get to John 8, 12, nothing about the location, situation, or conversation of where we last left Jesus in the portion of John 7, 37 through 52 has changed. No one has gone home. It's just a continuation of the situation in John 7, 37 through 52. And what was that situation? Well, again, John 7, 37 tells us that it's the last and greatest day of the feast. And if you remember, the feast with powerful end times and messianic kingdom connections. The Feast of Tabernacles, I'm going to say it again, had powerful end times and messianic kingdom connections. We talked about a month ago at this point about the several different responses that those at the temple had toward Jesus had been teaching in the temple 
uh, at what Jesus had been teaching in the temple during this Feast of Tabernacles. Some saw him as a prophet, the prophet that would be like Moses, but nothing more. Some saw him as the prophesied messianic king, but some weren't ready to make him king over their lives. Some wondered about who he was, but it agnostically didn't go much further than that. Some ridiculed those who did accept him for who he said he was, and some took their disbelief in him to the level of even throwing logic and reason out the window. We talked at that point when we covered those verses of 740 through 52 that those responses are still the same exact responses a lot of people give to Jesus today. It's still that same last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in the temple, and that's what brings us to this morning's passage that we began uh, in verse 12. I went through all of that because the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is very important to our understanding of verse 12. By the way, providentially, anyone have any idea when the Jewish people are celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles or what is called Sukkot this year? Today. It starts this evening. It starts this evening and lasts through this upcoming week up until sunset next Sunday. So, providentially, it's perfect timing for us to be talking about this today. If we remember from about a month ago, the original point of the Feast of Tabernacles was in, in connection with the fall harvest to remind the nation of Israel of God's provision for them during their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. A major aspect of this festival was for every adult male to not only bring the required offerings and sacrifices to the temple, but also to build and live in temporary shelters, an homage to their temporary shelters in the wilderness. As pointed out by biblical scholars, another major aspect of the Feast of Tabernacles was the lighting of torches all throughout Jerusalem, and especially the lighting of massive menorahs in the temple area. In fact, the Feast of Tabernacles, along with Hanukkah, are the two Jewish celebrations most connected to light. Imagine the magnificence of what this looked like throughout this Feast of Tabernacles. All of these torches lit up all throughout the city of Jerusalem and massive menorahs in the temple courtyard all lit up. We'll be heading into the Christmas season soon and one celebration of that is jaw-dropping light displays and scenes. Some even have timed to blink on and off with music. That's the kind of astonishment that would have captured the hearts of all of those throughout Jerusalem that week. But instead of just wonderment for wonderment's sake or to charge fees to see them, like most Christmas light displays, the lighting of the city of the Feast of Tabernacles was imbued with loads of spiritual meaning and significance, which just added to the awe of all of it. There's so much to the meaning of this, along with Jesus' statements of him fulfilling all of this, that I could only preach on this one verse this morning. So let's jump in. 
The original purpose of this in Jewish practice was to be a reminder of God's manifestation of his presence in the pillar of fire. That was the original uh, Jewish understanding of it. A reminder of God's manifestation of his presence in the pillar of fire. Not only was God the originator of light, but it was the very first act of creation he made, wasn't it? As such, all throughout the scriptures, God's presence is connected with light. Moses' face shined with the glory of God after he was in close proximity to him. Several prophets had visions of God being surrounded by brilliant light. And the Apostle John says in several places of several of his canonical writings that God the Father and Jesus are light. So since God is light and the manifestation of his presence is light, both in the pillar of fire that hovered over the tabernacle and symbolized by all the torches and giant menorahs lit throughout Jerusalem and the temple, what is the first truth that Jesus is declaring with his statements in this verse? He is declaring that he is also the same manifestation of God's presence as the lights symbolize the pillar of fire of God's presence. The Apostle John has already made this connection earlier on in this gospel when he wrote, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When God created light as the first act of creation, it was physical light, but it was also what light represented. Light represented God, and as such, light represented the light of God's wisdom in a world of dark ignorance and human foolishness. In fact, the menorah and the tabernacle, and then later on in the temple, was a symbol of the light of God's wisdom. This wisdom includes reason and logic and order everything in creation was created in an orderly way designed in perfect order all the darkness of the world can come up with is the complete opposite the universe originating from chaos mutation and randomness and it's darkness because the scientific community is now having to come to grips with the observed science that none of that results in what we have today so any belief in that today especially in science is a willful blindness to how the universe and world actually functions it actually only functions in order, so much so that it could only be designed to be orderly. That's the wisdom and order of God's light. True wisdom can only start with the light or the symbol of God. Now you have other cults and organizations that are really satanic in origin and philosophy that also claim to have light as the symbol of their wisdom. But all they are is all Satan can ever be. Counterfeit. Any wisdom that comes from the world and does not come from God is ultimately demonic in origin and can only be counterfeit. That's why we have to be so careful about who we're listening to. Remember, according to 2 Corinthians, that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 
And so-called wisdom that is really satanic in origin, such as the belief that all Jesus was about was love, that God created us in certain ways and in a whole spectrum of sexual and gender identities and just wants us to be happy, and a loving Jesus is therefore okay with all of it, that sex can be separated from marriage and should even be taught to children today, that standing up for the lives of children inside and outside of the womb and against their murder is unloving and Christ-like, that corrupted entities have our best interests at heart, that you should just live your life the way you want to live it and do the things that make you happy, and most importantly, that you can get to heaven by any other way other than repenting of your sin and taking Jesus as both Savior and King over your life. Any of that is all counterfeit. It sounds nice, according to the world, but it's all lies disguised as love. So what is the origin of the only wisdom we should be listening to and embodying? Proverbs 1.7 makes it very simple for us. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, true wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. This fear is talking about a reverence for the Lord with your life and faith. Reverence for the Lord does not lead to manipulation or rejection of what is clearly stated in his word. Reverence for the Lord goes hand in hand with faith in him, and as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, repentance of your sin and acceptance of Jesus as Savior and King. That, as Paul writes, is the revelation and wis- uh, of the wisdom of God. Knowing of the wisdom of the light of God and not walking in the darkness of the world begins with faith in God, begins with repentance of sin, and begins with acceptance of Jesus as the Savior from that sin and the King over the rest of your life. That, along with the subsequent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, leads us to knowing the accurate truth of the wisdom of God's Word and therefore living according to His standards. The Apostle John already has flat out written, this was the true light. He's talking about Jesus coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world and the world came into being through him and yet the world did not know him. Jesus also says himself that he is the light of the world in our passage this morning, and that anyone who follows him wholeheartedly would not and should not then continue to walk in the darkness of this world, the standards of this world, nor the so-called wisdom and philosophy of this world. There are really only two forms of wisdom that exist. It's really this simple. The wisdom that comes from God as revealed in Jesus or worldly wisdom, which is ultimately demonic in origin. Are we following Jesus as the light of the world, or walking in the darkness of the world? We might be surprised by what worldly darkness we may still be walking in, which makes communication with God in prayer 
and not only reading of his word, but studying it with the Holy Spirit's enlightenment to accurately understanding it and asking God to reveal in what ways we may still be following the wisdom of the darkness of this world so crucial to our spiritual lives and growth. David wrote in a prayer to God, God, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. (laughs) That is just mind-blowing today, isn't it? Why? Because the wisdom of today's world says to God, I'm going to point out anything about you and your word that offends me. Following Jesus as the light of the world says to God, God, you point out anything about who I continue to be or what I continue to think that offends you so I can get it right with you. Which way are we going through life? God's creation, starting with light, is the literal light of life and all that we have today, including our physical lives, but it's also the origin of the light of our spiritual life. Again, it started at creation with light. And on the sixth day, God breathing life into man, who in turn was the source of the creation of the woman. Man and woman were created from those points forward to have an inextricable connection to God. They chose to be like God themselves and broke that connection. God continued to reach out to humanity with the light of his wisdom displayed in his covenant with Israel and his law to them and provided salvation to those who base their obedience to him on their love for him and trust in his promises. Those promises revealed that there would be a messianic deliverer who would do what their sacrifices could not do and were only pointing to, provide deliverance from, forgiveness from, and removal of, and cleansing from their sin. Israel was created by God through the fallen 12 descendants of a fallen man named Jacob to be his light to the world, and therefore the light of life to anyone who wasn't Jewish, but could see the relationship God had with Israel and wanted a part in God's salvation. The problem was that Israel failed in that time and time again to be that light to the world and rather joined with the paganism of the darkness of the world. So in the midst of God's discipline over them in destruction by Assyria and exile to Babylon for failing to be that light of life to the surrounding world, he gave them this promise in prophetically speaking to the future Messiah. This is what God the Lord says, who, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, again, connecting to creation, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you, the messianic deliverer, as a covenant to the people, as a what? Light to the nations 
to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. You read that and tell me this isn't what Jesus is fulfilling with his statements in our passage this morning, that he is the light of life, the light of the world, and the light to the darkness. Where Israel and humanity failed and failed miserably, Jesus fulfilled and fulfilled magnificently. We see God the Father and his Messiah as the light of life, both of physical and spiritual life, the light of the world and the nations, and the light who will free those in the darkness of this world. Notice what Jesus says in John 8, 12. He says that he is, does he say that he is a light? No. He says that he is the light. The light of the world and the light of life. There is none other. Jesus said elsewhere in John's gospel, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to God the Father and his heaven. There is no other truth of the wisdom of God, of the light of his wisdom and the way he wants us to live our lives. And there is no other light of life than Jesus. He's it. Jesus as the light of life, both physical and spiritual, leads to Jesus as the light of the world that he helped create and is the embodiment of God's wisdom towards. And that leads right back to Jesus being the light of our spiritual life and in a future sense, physical life. In reality, the two statements Jesus makes in verse 12 encompasses everything he is to us. It all comes back full circle in God's grace and mercy towards us. He gave us that physical life and spiritual life through that connection with him. We rejected that and gravitate towards the rejection of that with each of the fallen human thoughts, words, and actions we take every day. And he came back for us extending the light of the world and extending the light of life to reveal to us the gravity of our sin and our need to accept the light of life as the savior from that sin and king over the rest of our lives. And one day, that light of life will resurrect our physical bodies and reunite them with the souls he's been keeping safe with him all this time. And one day after that, the light of the world will fully return to that world with such radiant glory and victory, the world won't be able to help bowing their knee to him as king. And one day after that, the light of the world and the light of life will have a hand in bringing about a brand new heavens and new earth where those of us who repented and accepted him as everything he is, as light of life and the light of the world, will be able to live with him for all of eternity. But we must recognize him as the light of life and the light of the world in order to have him as the light of life and the light of the world and the light that frees us from the darkness of sin, this world, and eternal condemnation. 
we're going to see the next time we visit this chapter that there are going to be those who don't. We must recognize the Holy Spirit churning within us and opening our spiritual eyes to see that Jesus is all his, world, his word tells us. God, Savior, and King. That as the spotless sacrifice, he paid for our sin as a substitute on our behalf and rose again to be our forgiveness of that sin through our repentance of it, giving us new life now and eternal life in the future and the wisdom of God for us to surrender to and follow as King then we can have the light of the world revealing the truths of his word to us about who he is, what his plan is, how we can best be a part of that plan, and how we follow his standards. We can have the Holy Spirit of the light of life transforming our lives and the whole way we see this dark and imploding world freeing us from the world's fear, anxiety, ignorance, and broken and sinful ways of thinking and addictions, filling us with the power, spiritual gifts, and characteristics of God, His love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and sealing us for our eternal home. We can have the light of life returning for us very soon, giving us glorified bodies that will be freed from sin, disease, brokenness, and death, fit for an eternal life spent with him. As we've seen all the meaning of all of this now, let's picture the power of Jesus making these statements about himself on the last and greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, connected to the Messianic and Millennial Kingdom, surrounded by all the magnificent torch lighting that symbolized the presence of God himself. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. This world we live in is broken, corrupt, dark, evil, and will just continue to become more and more that way. Thank you, Jesus, for being the light of the world and the very wisdom of God in his word and the light of life in every single way. Through the Holy Spirit's transformation and empowerment, May we live out this call every day for the rest of our lives until this light comes back for us. 2 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this one verse that holds so much meaning, not only for the world, but for us as individuals. That you are bringing us full circle, that in our sin you have reached out to us, the darkness of that sin to call us to the light of the world and the light of life 
to churn within us, to lead us, to put our faith in that light, to repent of our sin and deeds of the darkness and step fully into the light of life. Lord, I pray that every breath we take before you come back for us or before you call us home, that we would follow this light of life and the light of the world, surrendering more and more of our lives to the Holy Spirit's transformation and enlightenment as we seek to accurately understand the word of God and apply it in every way to our lives. We thank you for being the light of life and the light of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.